My name is Allison Tolman. I'm an actress, and I am The Hustle. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, a weekly show where an aspiring actor and screenwriter set out to educate and inspire artists and entrepreneurs all over the world with the stories and challenges of those hustling towards success. Hello, League of Hustle. It is I, Daniel Tuttle, your host, and welcome back to the Hollywood Hustle. We are back, baby. We took a nice summer vacay, kind of, and we are ready to get back to motivating you with interviews from some fantastic guests. We may have been away from releasing, but we have been interviewing. In the next few weeks, you will be hearing from a fantastic writer and actress, the leader of an amazing creative mastermind group, and the cinematographer of Riverdale, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, and this previous Child's Play film that just came out. All awesome episodes in their own right. Do not miss the rest of this season. We are also working on a few more team hustles and, of course, our traditional Halloween horror film commentary with Ashley Mary Nunez and Todd Nunez. The end of 2019 is going to be awesome. As you know, I work at Warner Brothers, and as a tour guide, there I get a chance to discuss this podcast with other artists, and some have been super awesome and actually listened to the show. So real quick, a big shout out to Colby, Hannah, Taylor, Lenny, and Trisha. Thank you so much for listening. One piece of feedback I've heard from a few of them is how not only motivated they feel after listening, but how they feel like they're not alone in this hustle which is exactly one of the top reasons we make this show. If you know anyone else who could use some motivation and need to know there's others in the same boat just like them, tweet to them, DM them, share the show with them. We want to be here for everyone. And if you are enjoying the show, we'd love if you could go and throw us a rating and a comment on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you're listening, and you can leave a review. Make sure you are also subscribed or following us wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever platform you're using. Now that we've taken care of those in-house reminders, let's get ready for this interview. I remember watching the first season of Fargo on FX and watching an actor in the lead role of Molly Soverson just crushing it in every scene and episode. I loved it every time she was on screen. Since then, I have always enjoyed when she's popped up on the screen from reoccurring roles in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'm Sorry, and Good Girls. She always brings an amazing energy to the screen and her roles. The actor, Allison Tolman, who is now leading her own show on ABC this fall called Emergence. It premieres next Tuesday, September 24th. Do not miss it. I was lucky enough that a high school uh, friend of Allison's was a good friend of mine. Shout out to Jared Berger out there in Dallas, Texas. And he connected Allison and I, and she was so nice enough to come on the show. Allison's journey as an actress is a unique one. But as with any journey, it's filled with fun stories and great lessons. This episode, Allison talks about working on her first big show, how nervous she was on the first day, and how she received a crash course in public relations to help her in interviews, and so much more. Allison is funny, kind, and her story is freaking amazing. Just a heads up, there is a little more stronger language in this episode than our usual ones just in case you have this on in your car with some little ones inside. Now, no matter what, though, you're going to enjoy this amazing episode with Allison Tolman. Let the hustle begin. My boyfriend surprised me with the Portillo's in Arizona once. We were driving back from his um, aunt and uncle's for Christmas, and he was like, I'm going this other way. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I have a <laughs> did surprise. He, did he say it like that? He this like, is my boyfriend being sneaky. Got I have a... His posture uh, changes. Yeah. I'm going With a, a the slightly way. closed eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's him being sneaky. That's like, I, that's he's a not an actor, so he's, he's got a lot three of tells. aces. <laughs> exactly. His tell. But so we like drove this other way and we kind of like drove into this like strip mall shopping mm. center and he was like it's over here somewhere and i was like what is going on yeah it's like <laughs> it's been a long time we've been together but i guess she could still just murder me now <laughs> in, in, in this game. in this yeah. busy parking lot uh but no we turned a, we turned a corner around a chili's or and whatever there and there was light. a portillo's and i was like oh my god 
and we bought like five pieces of cake and took them home. Oh yeah, absolutely. My my wife. But the thing is, since it is Buena Vista, it, it's like it has to be like a half day thing. Yeah, because yeah. it's so far. So I got Michael. Uh, some other friends of mine and my wife, and we all just went to Portillo's one night because I was like, "You guys need to experience." And we yeah. we experienced like a good hour, hour and a half of traffic just to yes, get just there. Just to get, to there. get there. It was worth it though. Yeah, it was. It was. So that cake is ridiculous. It's so good. It's ridiculous. So the voice you are hearing, ladies and gentlemen, is Miss Allison Tolman. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not important. Should we I need say, to talk about cake some more. It's Portillo's. Tolman. <laughs> it's the Portillo's hustle, everyone. <laughs> yeah. We're now we now we're just going to talk about that. Uh, you may recognize her voice at least uh, uh, from the first season of Fargo, where she played the wonderful sh- deputy, right? Not the mm-hmm. chef, the deputy. Uh, she was also she's also in one of the episodes of the new Twilight Zone. Yes. She has a new pilot coming out. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, called Emergence with Donald Faison. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was she was in a short called Believe Her. Uh, she's been in a lot of things. She's in I'm Sorry and a ton of other things. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for being here. Sure. This is so exciting. Uh, shout out to Jared and Jessica Berger out in Texas for <laughs> hooking this up. My good friends over there. Yeah. And, and that is Michael, as always. Michael, how you doing? Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Allison, for coming on the pod today. Really you bet. appreciate it. Yeah. So I just have to ask this just to get it out of the way. So my wife and I are huge fans of I'm Sorry. <laughs> Love that show. Like, my just wish there was more episodes. And this isn't the film this that is, Daniel so is I just so I just finished production on a short film that we have tentatively titled I'm sorry and I posted on my f- Facebook post like first day on set of the film I'm short and I said short film I'm sorry super excited can't wait to get started and Andrea sent you a cease and desist oh no <laughs> I wish that would, I would post that on the wall no I said so many people t- comment I love that show that's so awesome that you're on that show I'm like oh no oh, oh no no, guys, I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, not near Andrea Savage at That's all. That's a bummer. Um, I, so I put like an edit thing underneath. <laughs> like, edit, this is not the TV show, though. I love that show. Um, is that show at all scripted or is it mostly improv? It's scripted. Okay. Um, and then we do, I mean, it. Uh, so we'll do, um, usually we do three takes of mm-hmm. every setup. We do one on script okay. and then one looser and then one, She cause, I think she calls it a fun run where we just like, just go off the rails. But the fact of the matter is, is that Andrea, if like something strikes her, even when you're just doing like an on-script run, then mm-hmm. she'll she'll go down that road, and you just kind of try to keep up with her. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean. The, the, the amount of the amount of uncomfortable funny that yeah. is in this show. She's good at that. Like just really, and it's like this doesn't have to be this awkward. Yeah. But it's amazing that it is. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. No, it's scripted. She and Joey Salmon, they script. I mean, it's their wow. their baby. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, to get started, so again, like we said, you you were born in, born in Texas. You moved to Chicago. How old were you when you moved to Chicago? Uh, 29. Nine. What was it? Was it just to kind of just continue theater? Or? Yeah, I had, you know, I went to school in Texas, went to Baylor University, and then I moved to Dallas and I worked in Dallas for a few years, like seven, eight years. And you had your own theater company, right? I had my own theater oh, company wow. with some friends, which is still operational. I have to always say that because it's insane that it is going still. <laughs> I do research. What's the name of the theater company? We'll give them a shout out. <laughs> it's called Second Thought Theater. Um, they're, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. I was just talking to my buddy, Steve, who we, we were in the first iteration of this company together many, many years ago. And we were both just like, it's so crazy that it's still going. And like, none of us are involved. It's like a whole new generation of people that are being paid to run the theater that we were like running out of someone's garage when we were 23 years old. It's so amazing that you started that. It's insane. Like we, I, I just, it's, it's so, it's so thrilling to have something like go on past you. And, and the fact that people took up the mantle when we all left to go pursue other things is really incredible. Chicago is very similar in the sense with Los Angeles where it's very expensive to mm-hmm. live there. How did you prepare to like, I'm moving to Chicago. How did you prepare to survive? I Chicago? just wanted to move to Chicago because I, before I turned 30, I, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't, wasn't in a relationship. I had a very portable cat and I really, uh, <laughs> wanted to just move up to a bigger city. And right. I'd always, I'd always been enamored with Chicago and really loved it. And I wanted to study at Second City. So when I made the decision to move, uh, to Chicago, I just kind of took my expenses, like my, what I lived on in Dallas and doubled it and figured that would probably be what my living expenses were. Mm-hmm. We did the same thing when we moved here from Chicago. <laughs> we were like, but you had to triple it. We right? tripled it. Yeah. We just doubled it. And we were like, well, if this is what we pay in rent, I bet we're going to pay twice that. And and then a little bit more. Um, so I got really lucky. I found a great apartment. I hardly knew any people in Chicago, but the four people that I did know lived on the north side. So I went and lived 
in Lincoln Square so I could be close to the people that I did know. Um, and I had an apartment for maybe like eight or nine months and then I got a roommate. I cleaned out my second bedroom, which I was using as an office and got a roommate um, just because I was like, I can't sustain this with the money that I've saved um, sure. and not like making the type of money that I was making when my first couple years in Chicago, I just wasn't making that much right. money. And, and were you just an actor or did you also have a no. side gig or anything like that? No, I've never been just an actor until until Fargo, to be completely honest. <laughs> I've always had a day job. Um, I've never waited tables. I did retail, and I did a lot of personal assisting, and then I did a lot of office work. So mm -hmm. the job that I finally found in Chicago that kind of gave me some level of comfort was um, doing client services for a little IT firm. That's where I met my boyfriend, my, my partner I've been with for six and a half, seven years now. I don't remember Tim. I love you. Um, the way that sounds like I don't remember Tim. I don't yeah, remember that's, Tim. That's the way I read it. As well. I, I don't, don't remember, remember comma Tim. Tim. We do this whole out of sight, out of mind thing where <laughs> when we're not around, we and just then when we reunite, it's really exciting. It's like it's 50 amazing. first dates. <laughs> exactly. It's just like that. Um, we live in a magical apartment. <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, anyway, so I worked at this little IT firm, which is um, you know our our closest friends that we vacation with and travel all around the world with are all people that we met um, at this little IT firm. So that was the job that like I, where I got some health insurance and I had like enough money where I was like a little bit more comfortable. And then I quit that job because our company was sold to some dickheads. Mm. I hope you're listening to this, dickheads. <laughs> I hope they are too. These fuckers. Yeah. Uh, and it just really made our our really like awesome work environment that we had lived in just kind of unbearable and really changed the culture of our little, you know, loft mm. where we all the ten of us worked. Um so I quit to go pursue a day job in a more creative field. Mm -hmm. And then I booked Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> you found the so, like dream so yeah. driver. So technically, I was like, okay, universe, I get it. That's hilarious. Technically you did it. I did it. <laughs> yeah, you found that I job. I thought I was gonna like work at the front desk at a museum or a mm -hmm. photography studio. Nope, nope, nope. You wow. pretended but to But I really <laughs> just went for it. Stephanie. But earlier you touched on that you went to Second City. Now we've had stand-ups on this show. Not too many um, people have gone into the improv world. Can you yeah. just explain for listeners what Second City is? Sure. And what style of improv they teach? Yeah, I mean, I always say that Second City really is like a is like a sketch school. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, you learn a lot of improv, and that's kind of like the basics of it. But um, it's mostly like the end product is a sketch show. Mm -hmm. So Second City is a sketch house that's like you know SNL or something. It's live sketch shows right. that usually are followed by um, an improv set where they used to that's, which they use to generate more ideas. Mm -hmm. So. You're really like learning about improv and then you're improvising to get to generate ideas for sketch work. I realized pretty quickly that while I knew that improv was like an important tool and it's always been something that I've loved to use for the acting world, but as an actual performance medium, it was not my favorite. I much preferred sketch. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, and still and still do. I mean, not to view, I will I'll watch improv and I can mm. and I'm a decent improviser. Um, I just found that it wasn't like my I think my background in theater and my sense of like process and preparation mm -hmm. really suited me better for sketch. I like rehearsals and I like sort of working out beats and like knowing where the jokes are Sure. and the sort of like throw caution to the wind nature of improv didn't agree with me as well as sketched it. Yeah. I've, I've also known a lot of screenwriters who have taken classes specifically at second city to strengthen their uh, comedic writing as right. well. Uh, Second City is a better medium for them. Yeah. Um, Improv is, and it's just, I think it's just different skill sets and it's different people, different personality traps, different personality types, traps. Hello. <laughs> that was Freudian. I feel like, you, are you different, writing a book? Or <laughs> different personality traps? Different personality types are drawn to the different mediums. Right. You mm -hmm. know? And for me, um, you know, doing improv to the degree that I did improv in Chicago. And this is all after, I mean, I did improv for years in Dallas where with my theater company, but once I actually learned how to do improv in Chicago and mm -hmm. did improv in Chicago in a, in like a, an improv town, mm -hmm. um, I found that so much of the time that the people I was doing improv with were like, Tolman, just be cool about it. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. And I was just like, but why don't we just call the space and find out how many chairs there will be and if we have control over the lights and they were like, we'll just figure it out. And I was like, this is fucking insane. Like yeah. we could just ask ahead of time. So yeah, like all my, away? Where are going? my <laughs> sense of control and like my sense of preparation that I think was born out of being a theater producer for many years. And like, that's just how my personality is. Sure. I was just like, 
people are insane. <laughs> and it worked for them. And I mean, obviously, like I've seen some unbelievable improvisers. Yeah. And, and the reason why they're able to create the way that they create is because they are like, let's not plan it. Let's just see what happens. But it just made my brain hurt. I was like, no, let's let's know what we're walking yeah. into ahead of time. You know, what, one of the things I really love about improv is that it can it can be useful for so like kind of like you said for like so many di- types of people though, mm-hmm. where you as a writer you can become better at coming up with scenes and what conflict and things like that and, and be better on your feet. But also, I know people who take improv just to get out of their own space yeah. and just to like be better in social situations. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that's really interesting that it, it can help people with anxiety and, and, and people that have certain issues, you know, yeah. m- mental issues or physical issues. And I think that's really <laughs> cool as well. I think that's fascinating. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I've heard, you know, people, my friends who are um, like improv, like connoisseurs, like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really been interesting to watch people take that into different avenues away from performance. Um I have some friends who started a, a comedy theater in Dallas called Stomping Ground. Shout out to Stomping Ground. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to the Gold Apps. Um, and they're using improv to go into um, uh, like communities of autistic kids and teach them about improv. And like I know a guy named Mark Bergen who taught me improv in um, Dorset, Vermont, when I was doing conservatory theater there one summer. And he uses improv in corporate settings and he goes in and does these corporate workshops to, mm-hmm. she, to teach, you know, executives how to think on their feet mm-hmm. and how to, you know, be more comfortable just in social situations. Yeah. Um, and I have always felt that, you know, again, like as a performance medium, I prefer sketch. I prefer, prefer scripted work. Um, but my favorite theater productions I've ever been a part of have been ones that have, have used improv for mm-hmm. um, character generation. Mm-hmm. I, I've done, uh, you know, the the short form improv because I was part of the comedy troupe with Jared back in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, comedy sports and uh, locked out comedy. And I've done a little bit of like dramatic improv mm-hmm. and like Harold's. And when I got to do those, those were probably my favorite where it was just natural born relationship building mm. and conflict building. Yeah. And it wasn't about the joke. And there'd be funny moments that would naturally come, but. It was about the relationship. It was about the whatever the story was, and that I remember doing that once or twice, and that always was like where I walked out going, "We did something special yeah. here." It feels really special when you do improv and you've taken the pressure off to make jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, as an actor, I think that's sure. really a lot of fun. There's a show at UCB called "The Show Is Not Funny." Have you ever seen "The Show Is mm. Not Funny"? It's worth checking out. I don't think they do it very often. Mm. I guessed it on it once. And they do, there's a um, regular cast from UCB and then they have guests come in. I did it with Colin Hanks was there, maybe Mike Bradich. I don't know. It was like a Fargo reunion. We had some Fargo actors there. Um, You do, there's like a couple big group scenes with like all eight people or whatever. And then they just do two and three person scenes um, where there's no pressure to be funny. And the, the entire point is like grounded realistic relationships between two humans wow. it yeah. was so fun yeah, and it I, was a fun I, mean, I had a really funny yeah. scene i had a really funny scene but well, it we, was no pressure there was yeah, no pressure right. to be funny I, that was kind of like the training i had i studied meisner mm-hmm. uh what was it last year yeah it was mm-hmm. last year um and it was that's all it was was mm-hmm. just like don't try to be funny don't try to do anything obviously like repetition yada 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 but like at the end of the day it's just like we're trying to define relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and go. Yeah. And and it was really to just like let go and feel free. So so uh, this is the part where I tell you about your life a little bit. Oh, so you <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so what you, is going on? What, what is the meaning of <laughs> what this? Is so, happening? so this is what happened to you. No, uh, so you moved <laughs> up to Chicago and and you had this moment where you had the opportunity to put it put on tape an audition for this show coming out based on the movie Fargo mm-hmm. uh, for the part of Molly Salverson. Um, which I love that it's called Solver Son. Get it? Because she <laughs> she solves things. Um, so you put the tape in. Uh, you it stayed in the running for a while. Yeah. And you, but you, as as usual, you probably did. You heard things very here and there about it. Mm-hmm. And then they asked you to go to New York to mm-hmm. do a, a taping or an in person audition. Um, and then you heard about I think five days later about getting the role. Uh, what you know during that time, like obviously this was a very much talked about show. There was probably, a, there was a, as I think you said in another interview I saw, you, there was probably a lot of people in the running for this part. What was that like just waiting? And like every time you heard like, 
you're still in the running. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that? Like, was it like the engine dying and then you're in, still in the running and the engine being full? And what was that? Or was it just like, I'm just going to wait and whenever I hear something, I hear Honestly, something. Honestly, I don't feel like it was either one of those. Yeah. I don't think it was either one of those things. And I said that to you when you asked me to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about this because because my experience my like mm-hmm. way in was um was so unusual mm-hmm. that I've never experienced I think that exact thing that you're describing mm-hmm. because when I was waiting to hear about Fargo it it was so far removed from my reality mm-hmm. like I was not even auditioning for television show. I wasn't doing show I wasn't doing I wasn't doing any I was doing stage work I was doing right. sketch I was recording podcasts with my friends Every now and then I would audition for a commercial. I'd done a lot of commercial work. Mm. I mean, I was just, it was not even in my realm of thought, mm. if that makes sense. How did no, you how absolutely. did you hear about it? How did you kind of, what what was the, was it like an agent that was like, hey, I had an play. agent that I was sort of, what do they call it when they, they're like hip pocket you? you yeah. Know yeah. 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 They, they didn't officially sign you, but yeah. they're like, I'll submit you for stuff exactly. and we'll see how things go. Yeah. I had an agent that was, I was doing that with and they, like um, probation period. Yeah. You know, and I hadn't had a lot of luck with them. They sent me out, you know, sometimes. Um, uh, and I do feel that they really, um, believed in me because they would submit me for, you know, whenever TV shows came through, they would be like, oh, this is like an actor-actor thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should put Allison in for this. Um, but I just wasn't booking. I wasn't really, I wasn't booking really mm-hmm. at all. I mean, Fargo's the second thing I think I booked the entire time I lived in Chicago. So it was just like, they sent it to me. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I guess I, I fit the description for the character. Mm-hmm. And they were like, why not? Right. I don't <laughs> know who else they submit. I mean, I don't know, you know. And, right. and, and I think Fargo, uh, you know, Rachel Tenner, the casting director had, sort of opened things up. She had looked in New York. She had looked in LA. She had been looking in some other major cities. And then she could, they were like, oh, we got to look in the Midwest. We got to open this up to other cities. Right. And that's how it kind of got to Stuart Talent and made its way to me. I remember, I think I read that you said, you said somewhere that like you, you already had the Midwest accent because that was the best way to betray a mom or like people to realize that you're a mom in a yeah. scene was to have a Midwest to accent. Do. It was like definitely like Bobby's world. Like yeah. Bobby's mom. Like that was a hundred percent. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. I wish I could have held on to what that feeling, like what that felt like. And every mm-hmm. now and then I'm really lucky. I think one of the, one of the things that's really been a blessing to me is the fact that my partner is not part of the business. I was going to ask if he was. Yeah. In the he's not, not in the business. He works with computers same, and same here. yeah, it's been really awesome because I've had this person with me on this ride who reminds me on the regular, like what a fucking miracle my mm-hmm. life is every mm-hmm. single day that I get to go to work because he's just like that's so weird that's so weird and i'm like you're right that is weird this is so weird what is happening right now you know and i and i i several existential crises i wish i could i wish i could remember exactly what i I wish i could answer your question and tell you exactly what i remember what i felt like that week but i just don't think i was in my own skin i think that's totally fine though because i think that's real because uh you know all the time you know some actors will talk about, oh, there was this glorious audition mm-hmm. and it felt like this. But I feel mm-hmm. like the real day-to-day life, it's, you know, you're focusing on life. You're focusing on paying yeah. the bills, and, you know, living a good life. And then you just have this audition real quick. You go in, you go out, mm-hmm. and then you keep going about your life. And right. And I wasn't even in control of the decisions. I wasn't even leading a television actor's life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, like absolutely. I always I've always considered myself an actor, and I, I feel like one of the most important things you can do as a performer is let your the, let your definition of involvement with your craft evolve over time so that you're not like just like I used to be doing commercials and doing voiceover and now I'm not so like am I still an actor like you have to be able to be like yeah I'm still an actor I'm I write sketches with my friends we're doing this podcast I'm still auditioning for commercials like you have to like let yourself uh, give yourself some like some leeway right. But I was not living the life of a television actor the way that I am now, where I'm, I I know more, I have a better frame of reference for the way things work. Right. I just had no, I because I had never done it, and because I had never, I, and like a lot of people spend some time in LA, and they like kind of, they do summers here, or they go out for pilot season. I had never done, I had never done any of that. I just, I was on Mars. I had no idea what I was doing. When, when the first season came out, I remember watching it, and every time I would watch it, be like, I can't wait for a scene with you to come back on because your character was so someone that I think everybody could connect with. Right. And, and it was such a, like a, it was a fun character 
that had a, a great serious new, seriousness to her. But like you felt like if you met her, she would be the sweetest person in the world if you met her in a grocery line. Mm-hmm. And every time I would like every time a scene came back with you, I was like, oh, good. She's back <laughs> I think because everything else was so dark. Yeah. That it was so nice having your character on there. Yeah. And I say that because just because, the you know, obviously you said, you know, you didn't have that same kind of path that a lot of people have. You still had to have this character succeed. Yeah. You started to go in and do the work. And you were, I mean, you were working with Martin Freeman, who at the time was becoming a bigger, a bigger star. He'd been doing uh, Sherlock. Obviously, Billy Bob, Hobbit. Billy Bob Thornton. You had so many other actors already that had established themselves. That, and uh, Colin Hanks was already, it was kind of growing and had already been a few things. But coming on, you had to get there. And so that in itself, I think, was amazing to watch and see what you did with that character and the depth you took it. I thought that was really cool. What was your process when you first started getting scripts and started working on the p- p- piece? How did you start putting that character together? Or was a lot of it just kind of who you are? Yeah, you know, I think there are a lot of characters that you... um kind of like create and like craft as you go that you have to kind of make up a human mm-hmm. um it doesn't have anything to do with like how rich the character is how like what their life is or what their inner life is or even the writing it just has to do i think with the way you the way something strikes you mm-hmm. and molly struck me immediately um and and didn't really deviate much throughout the entire filming process i right. felt like i knew who she was when i read the sides and i mm-hmm. And I auditioned with that version of that human. And then I just kept doing that. And they never told me any different. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I've played characters that I've, and, I, and I, I don't think it's either, I don't think it's more or less satisfying either way. It is a lot of fun to make up an entire human. I have a role right now on, on Good Girls that's a, that's a, a villain mm-hmm. um, that I feel like I, that we, the writers and I kind of like made up a human from scratch. And that mm. has been really satisfying and really, just like a really different process. Right. Molly to me was on the page immediately. I felt like I understood the tone and I felt like I understood the world. Um, I felt like I understood the the sort of loving nod to the Coen brothers. And I, she just was easy. She was right. easy. There was not a lot of toil there for me. Coming from a theater background, what would you describe the differences of acting, obviously with theater versus acting on camera with something like this? Or do you find that your process is the same? Um, my process, I, my, I think my process is the is the same. I don't, I'm not really a, pro, I don't really have a a, a process mm-hmm. um, the way that a lot of people do. I've taken a lot of acting classes in my life, and I can't point to any uh, one that I like. I'm not like a Meisner girl. Mm-hmm. I'm not a you know Stanislavski whatever. Like I just I don't have a Stanislavski bro. Oh shit! <laughs> I thought oh. you guys were gonna say the same thing, and I was gonna be like, oh, you've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> new Twitter poll. Let's redo yeah. it so we can edit. Stanislutsky. Stanislutsky. You have shirts made. Yes, please. <laughs> um, anyway, so I've never had like a process that is, or like a method that is like my my sure. method, you know. Um, but I think that you know, for Molly, Molly was easy because um, everything she did was so small and so um, subtle that translated well to camera mm-hmm. but I definitely I think when I started doing work beyond Molly I was like I gotta remember that I have to I have to tone everything down like I can't do sure I can't do stage work I need to remember right. to make it smaller and I remind myself that regularly before we roll on something I just right. remind myself that camera is really close to my face <laughs> to remember that because I'm also like yeah, I'm the also audience just a very, is right in front they're of right in front of me I'm also just like very expressive in my actual life I'm just like a I'm an expressive person. So I'm also like, well, people like that exist in the world. I know because I exist in the world, but I have to remember to dial things down depending on characters, depending on, you know, sure. how close that camera is to my face. Is Colin Hanks as dreamy as everybody thinks he is? <laughs> Dreamier. <laughs> I love Colin. I do. Was he, was he fun to work with? I, yes, I was. I mean, it was just such a perfect storm. I think for me on that show, um, I was so lucky. Everyone took such good care of me and was mm. so patient and so kind and really sort of um, took me under their wing collectively. I was going to ask, did you get any advice from anybody on set that, that um, for being your first time? I know a lot of actors don't like giving other actors notes or anything, no, but I didn't know if anybody's offered it any It wasn't advice. even so much that as it was just like leading by example. I don't mm. think anyone ever 
presumed to. Hey, kid. Yeah, <laughs> let no. Me get, let me, let's just sit down and buy you a coffee and give you a what's I'm an older white man. Let me tell you how to. Let me tell you what the deal is. Never that. Never that at all. Just, just like, um, I always tell the story, Sean Doyle, who played um, the police chief uh, in the in the first episode. I, I love him, by the it's way. Amazing. He's so, I love him in anything. My very first scene, my first setup on Fargo, I was sitting there um, at this diner table across from Sean and they were kind of like, I had just learned what stand-ins were mm-hmm. and was like, oh, now we're sitting here and I guess we're doing this soon. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what rolling men, I didn't know and action like all I you know what I mean like yeah. I didn't know I didn't I was I was like I better be ready to go because the second someone says action I better start be ready to act because I didn't know any I didn't know anything about the mechanics of sure mm-hmm. making television show I had no idea they brought me in and I was sitting in the place where I knew I was going to be sitting and saying the line so I was just like oh, I'm ready to go <laughs> and uh and how much rehearsal time did you have or none we at all had, um we had a little bit of prep time but really you know I I think that like Noah got me and um Martin together to kind of read together. But I think it was more just like so we could get comfortable with each other. I don't, we didn't do a whole lot of rehearsal for that. And I I mean, I met Sean, I might've met Sean like that day, Mm -hmm. but we were sitting at this diner table and I must've just looked like I was scared to death because I was, I was on another planet. And um, Sean was sitting there like cool as a cucumber. Like he's such a a TV pro. And he said to me, um, hey, um, would you mind running lines with me? That would just really help me out. And I was just like, sure. And I think I understood even in the moment, like, that he looked at me and was like, this girl is gonna, she's dying. <laughs> her you head's I mean? about to explode. Like, I need to, A, let's give her something to do. Mm-hmm. B, let's, let's, let's look at the scene. Let's get into the work and see I'm the kindest man in the world, so let me couch this in a way that makes it seem like she's doing me a she's favor. Very, yeah. And um, so nice. it was the it was such a just one of the kindest things that anyone has ever done for me. Yeah. I think. Now I can't remember. Did you have <clears throat> any scenes with Billy Bob Thornton? No. Okay, I, I was like, I don't think you did. We were only on set on set together one day, and it mm-hmm. was a scene where I go out the back door of the diner, and he comes in the front door, mm. or vice versa. Gotcha. I mean, he's, okay. he's going out the front door, I'm coming in the back door. Right. He's just had a very like spooky, threatening scene with Keith. And I walk in. Um, so we were we were on set together that mm. that day. Okay. Uh, but we've never shot together. <laughs> and you know we got the scripts as we went. So I didn't know at the time that we weren't. I didn't know at the time we weren't going to have a showdown right. at the end of the oh, season. Yeah. And so uh, when I finally when I finally read the final episode, I sat down I went to dinner with Noah, and I was like, Noah, come on. <laughs> it's like I can't. Th- what? what? Nothing. I don't get to. And he was like, You're eight months pregnant. What are you going to do? And I was like, God damn it. He was like, I'm sorry, but like, that's the story. That's, that's reality. I was so, I was so upset. And I was, and I actually, I was like, I think women are going to hate this. Yeah. They didn't because it was a good episode and it all made (laughs) sense and it was perfect. And Colin's character needed that redemption, I think, Mm -hmm. because he'd screwed up so badly in the beginning. But when I read the episode, I was like, no. (laughs) Needs to be at least a moment. I I just wanted a look. I did. I really thought we would have a look. look. I thought we would have a time where we could look at each other across, across a room or a field. Right. I just wanted that that moment. Right. But, you know, the way that that Noah explained it to me and I and I think he's exactly right is that um Malvo, Billy Bob was Colin's um fish to catch and Martin was mine. Martin was Molly's. Mm-hmm. Just in the way that the story had been structured, like the things that like who had to redeem who and like who was the who was their actual like foil and their actual nemesis, mm-hmm. you know. Now, going through your your the re- kind of rest of your filmography, mm-hmm. you've been in a lot of stuff that I love, really? Barney and Friends. Barney and uh, Friends shoots in Dallas. No, but like you were you were in Prison Break. Uh, you 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 were you had a part in Archer, uh, Hello Ladies, The Mindy Project. Like you've done some really like really cool television. Yeah. What's it just from Fargo on? I mean, you were nominated for a Golden Globe. You were nominated for an Emmy. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the aftermath for you? Kind of, this is your first time on TV. You're getting a lot of good reviews, a lot of great critiques and and, and stuff like that. How how was that? Was it still kind of like, what is this? What's going on? Or had you started to settle in? You were doing interviews. Like, what was that like for you in the the aftermath? We, I think I was lucky. We had a pretty um, condensed uh, timeline, really. I I mean, we finished shooting Fargo in like, March maybe and it premiered in April Mm. 
And then we were in the award circuit that fall. Right. So I pretty, and we, the buzz was pretty immediate. And, mm. and because it was so um, condensed, there was not a lot of time in between. Like the show was going, there was a lot of buzz. I was kind of learning that, that making a TV show was one thing and doing press for a TV show was another thing. And I was like, oh, oh this sure. is a whole other job. Like mm-hmm. this is super fucking hard. I had no idea. So I I'd learned that that was like a whole other facet of things. And then very quickly there was awards buzz and we were kind of riding that train and, and doing that campaign. And then the awards happened. So I guess Emmys happened and then Golden Globes happened. Yeah, Golden Globes were second. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just like drove straight through until the Golden Globes were over. And that felt like kind of the end of the ride. That mm-hmm. felt like that the, the ride was over. Um, so that was, I think I was lucky that it wasn't sort of like, uh, really drawn out because I don't know what I would have, I don't know what would have happened to my like steam and my stamina if it hadn't been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it was like, you know, we finished shooting in March, the show premiered in April. My boyfriend and I moved <coughs> to LA uh, right after the Emmy. So we moved in like mm-hmm. September, mm-hmm. August, I guess of that year. And, um, and and was this the first time ever going to LA for I'd you? I've been or? here. Um, I mean, really, yeah. I think I'd been through Los Angeles like on a family vacation when I was a kid, and then um, I had friends out here from Texas, but I'd never really been to visit them. The first com- time I came to Los Angeles was while Fargo was shooting. I think we came out for a weekend. My boyfriend and I did to see friends and to kind of. Mm see the town a little bit and be like because i was like i think maybe we need to move out there for a while i think i think maybe this is really gonna like be a thing and we should probably (laughs) ride this we should probably ride this wave a little bit people might like they might like this show it truly didn't occur to me until it started that it was as big a deal as it It was was the first i i honestly i saw a little bit of the second season but i haven't kept up with it but that first season was just so good and i think i was always just worried like that nothing could live up to like just the story Mm -hmm. and everything in it well, it was. It also came out this time. Like American Horror Story was an anthology series. Fargo, as well, was like this one of the first shows that was also an anthology mm-hmm. series. So it like was the beginning of something really new for television yeah. again. I mean, I feel like you know, Billy Bob talked about like how we were sort of living in this golden age of television, mm-hmm. and um, that that is what sort of drew him into it. That TV used to be where film actors went to die, mm-hmm. and that it was not that this was this was not the case anymore mm-hmm. and i think fargo really was on the cusp of that and um that's only become more true i think right. as time has gone by i mean you have the queen meryl streep doing tv now yeah. I know. so i mean it's it's been given her blessing it's been it's be, it's become a a you know really valid artistic medium in a way that it wasn't before and i think it's because there's just so much there's so many platforms. There's mm. so much content. And a lot of those platforms, there's a lot of freedom mm-hmm. in those platforms, uh, especially in the streaming services. Yeah. And yeah. and so I know we're just starting to touch on it, but how soon after Fargo did you really start getting more offers or uh, yeah. agents reaching out? Like, what was that trajectory like? Um, so I was still living in Chicago when um, I was offered um, the role on, on Mindy Project. Mm. It must have been in that summer time, spring and summer, um, in between when the show premiered and when the and when we moved out to LA, because I was still um, living in Chicago when I got that phone call, and that was my first time I'd ever been just offered a role that I didn't audition for, and it was truly I always you know I credit Mindy with this like it was the first time that I realized like I was never gonna have to update my like LinkedIn profile again. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is it, like. Mm-hmm this work is going to beget other work and that's going to beget other work mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to do this in some facet forever. Mm-hmm. Like it true. That was the first time that that occurred to me. And I was like, this is a miracle. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. So yeah, I mean, I was kind of dabbling in things here and there. And then we moved out. I, I, again, I think in that I, I as Fargo was starting out, I moved to LA for a month mm-hmm. and just did press and um, was like, I guess I need to find a manager. I guess I need to find an agent. And kind of did all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, five months later, we we moved out here and made wow. this our, our home. Do you remember where you were when you found out you were nominated for an Emmy? Yeah, I was... Uh, Asleep, bro? <laughs> no, we got we were in Chicago still. Mm-hmm. And I had a publicist that I was working with because, um, God bless him, um, FX hooked me up with a, with a publicist. And mm. was like, this girl needs some fucking help. She doesn't know what she's doing. Let's help <laughs> her out. Let's 
they hooked me up with a publicist. I was going to ask if you went to like interview school because I've heard that's actually like a I thing. I actually have an interesting story about that. Oh, okay. Um, which I will tell you in one second. Yeah. But yeah, I was, um, I was, I'd gotten up early, I think, because I, we, I knew that the nominations were that morning and we had known that there was buzz, early buzz. So I think I got up, I think I watched, I think mm. I actually watched the announcements happen. Oh, wow. Or maybe I didn't have cable then because we were poor. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I, I got up in the morning and, and then, and then you know, the thing about um, the thing about a, um, a nomination like that is that then you spend the whole morning on the phone. Yeah, people texting and calling. No, you and... do interviews. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, you gotcha. Get on the, you get on the phone and start doing interviews immediately. Mm. Um, and then, you know, yeah, people call and text and then flowers arrive and we kept <laughs> And you're like, my, I'm still I, in my PJs. <laughs> my, yeah, I was in my PJs. My new thing was like that I, I just would like pop some champagne and have mimosas while I did interviews. So, so interview school. Oh, interview school. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, before I did um, TCAs, mm-hmm. which is the the television critics, you know, it's like forum that they do in Pasadena, mm-hmm. which we did while we were still shooting Fargo. They flew on us out in a jet from Calgary to Los Angeles, me, Billy, Colin, and Martin, I think. Um, they flew us out and we did TCAs. Uh, and that was my first, like, uh, like circuit of, like, interviews that I had ever done and um there's a critic she was a critic based out of Dallas um, whose name is Elaine Liner oh yeah do you know Elaine yeah Yeah. so um she's got she she can be very cruel she's got a she's got a really really cunning wit she's so funny Mm -hmm. um but she was like the tough nut like she was the one that people were like oh no did Elaine like the show you know and she was always very very kind to me um but she ran a workshop in Dallas for a long time called how to be a media darling. Mm. And she did it for like theater companies and, um, you know, producers and things like that. Oh. And I reached out to her. I want to take that class. Yeah. I reached out to her cause I had just seen it going because we were friends on Facebook. I had just seen right. her talking about there's still slots open or whatever. Right. I reached out to her and was like, Hey, I'm, I, I know, you know that I've, I've done this show and I'm about to go do this thing. Um, would you might would you get on the phone with me? Mm. And she said yes. She knew some people from TCA because she was kind of in that circuit. So she she has she, she had some critic friends who she knew was going to be there. And she's like, I've told them to look out for you. Oh. If you need a friendly face, that's so nice. But she sat with me on the phone for forty five minutes, an hour, like quick- and just gave me sort of a crash course, which I still have all the notes from. Wow. Um, and what would I, you say the main bullet points were? That people want sound bites, and she told me, don't be afraid to take notes. So I had copious notes um, from from my time shooting Fargo, just of like the story about when we all went bowling, tell the story. Really you know what I mean? Like I kept all these notes. Right. I don't do it anymore. Um, I think at, when I was doing press circuit for Downward Dog, my ABC show, I went through right. after the fact and was like, these are good. These are good stories. And I and I did. I would hold some back. I'd be like, I'm going to hold this back in case I do a talk show. Right. I'm not. I'm going to wait. I'm going to tell this story if I'm on a if I'm on a nighttime talk show. Like, yeah, you don't want to be repeating the same story on yeah. all these networks. Or like you want to try to give. You want to try to hold something for like the big the bigger fish. Mm-hmm. And I mean that you know you do repeat the same things over and over again. And and I I had such a hard time with that at my first TCAs. And finally, Colin was like, if they wanted other answers, they need to ask you other questions. Oh, sure. You know yeah. what I mean? He was like, it's not your job to like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And because yeah, I, I was, I really, it was really hard for me. I was like, I'm saying the same. And I always tell like my boy, my poor boyfriend, Tim, I'm just like, you hear me say the same fucking thing <laughs> so many times, like right. the same punchline, the same joke, the exact same setup, you right. know? Um, and it, it can really feel icky. Another reason why it's great that he's not part of the business because he never, he's never like, ugh. Right. Fake. He's just like, man, your job is weird. Fake. You know what I mean? <laughs> fake fan. He's heard me tell the same story so many times. I I, I, I watched the video of you talking <laughs> about Downward Dog, and it was so funny because you talked to, and I, I can see this being true, how how much more interested people were with the dog oh, yeah. than with the humans in the show mm-hmm. most of the time. And it, I, I was watching that, and I, I love, it was interesting what you were talking about when you were working on that show, how in the end it wasn't, it was about you, but the takes were about the dog. So right. like if the dog got the take, it doesn't matter how good you did. Yeah. They would probably use that take. You hope that you, you, were, you nailed it. And so like you <laughs> talked about how you pretty much had to be on every take. Yeah. And and, and I found that like what, during, you know, what was that like doing the, that pilot and putting that together? It just felt really technical. Mm-hmm. It just felt like that. It felt like doing stunts or, or doing like a complicated camera right. setup or something where a lot of things have to be in line for a take to be usable. Right. It felt like that. She worked with a talking dog gotcha. in the show. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Um, the dog doesn't really talk. Only in the show. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Don't, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Sorry, guys. Confuse you. Oh my god, there's someone out there going, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why have we never heard of this show with a talking dog?" My Conan fantasies. the cat is so shocked right now. Conan, my you look shocked. Broken. Look at his face. <laughs> it was. What? You, you've obviously done some other work. You, you were in uh, uh, the Sister Brothers, uh, some other films, and I saw one that I, I was really interested in. And I actually reached out to the director to see if I could find a copy somewhere because I wanted to watch it. Mm -hmm. But you were in a short film called Believe Her. Yeah. Um, can you kind of talk about that story and what it was like? Because it definitely seems more of a drama. Yeah. Um, what it, what that's about and what it was like making that short film. Sure. Yeah. I um, Yeah. Erin came to me via Downward Dog, actually. I worked with her husband. He did a, a guest spot for like an episode on Downward Dog. They're based in New York and he was in Pittsburgh to shoot this show. Uh, with me and he reached out to me several months later and was like you know um my wife is a writer director and she's put together this short um about um underreported sexual assaults basically mm -hmm. and i think the 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 best way to be approached is by someone saying um read it or don't read it i know you're busy mm -hmm. uh, if you if you like it great if you don't like it great i just told them I would get it to you. Mm -hmm. That's oh, all you great. can do, yeah, right? Is right. be like, mm -hmm. all, I, all I can do for you, my friend, is put this right. in front of this person who I have a connection with and then that's it. Speaking of, I have a script here. Exactly. That, uh, I knew it was coming. Read it or not <laughs> even read recording, it, Allison. Read it, read it, this is not even on. These are all fake. Don't make read it. Make me read it out loud now. The cat face. Can you just read it while I stare at you <laughs> it's uncomfortably? It's a cardboard cat. Oh boy. <laughs> just waiting for a reaction. <laughs> um, anyway, so I read Aaron's script. Um, it's just a short. It's like a, I mean, I think it's like eight minutes, maybe shorter. Um, and it's just, it's about a, a woman who's um, sexually assaulted and then uh, basically the police don't really believe her. Her mm. brother doesn't really believe her. Mm. Um, and in the end, she just doesn't report it. Mm. <laughs> she right. just doesn't report it, which yeah. is something that happens a lot. Right. Um, you know, it's, and it's, uh, so I read the script and I reached out to my team and said, I mean, obviously, um, well, I know we're really busy, but I'd like to try to carve out a weekend to go to New York and shoot this. It's hard to carve out time um, for passion projects when you are still working and trying to, like, make money and get some momentum going, which I've been doing for since Fargo now. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I really want to try to do this. So I really want to try to do this as a favor to, to, to Aaron. Um, so let's try to find the time to do it. And we were able to carve out the time to do it. So I went to New York for a weekend and shot this, That's this short film. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like just, I was looking, just reading through it. And I was like, I really want to see this it's short It's beautiful. Film. It really looks gorgeous. Um, Aaron's got an incredible eye. Yeah, the and shots from the, the screenshots. Just beautiful. Amazing. Really great use of color. Mm -hmm. um, great cast. Um, and it was, uh, and, and she also had an entirely female crew. Oh, uh, which was, I mean, she, you know, purposefully wanted to craft a, a, a crew where there were, there were no, um, there were no men on set except for the actor. <laughs> mm -hmm. She just wanted to do something different. Right. And it was like a really a, a kind of an, an honor to be able to be part of that and to be able to sort of witness that unfolding. Yeah. The, the short I was telling you about earlier that I'm sorry, short, that will probably change in the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, is a is a, a, a based on a story I wrote that uh, I partnered up with two other women who one of them was a writer and kind of helped kind of co-write and did a second draft and our crew was I would say ninety percent women mm -hmm. um, I think there were four guys on set mm -hmm. uh, and the the rest were all women yeah. um, and it was it was really cool like we had a female director a female VP and it was like I was so excited <laughs> that we we were able to do that yeah and and put that together and. Um, and so I could imagine for that was something really special. Yeah, well. it was really special. And, you know, I mean, it's a deliberate thing. She did it deliberately um, because that was that's something that's close to her. Her heart, obviously, as a female filmmaker, she was like, I want to give this opportunity to women who they've never been a crew head before or you've never they've never gotten to be a camera op because they just have always been standing next to the camera op, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people, you know, they just need a chance to put to put that into practice and to be able to put that on their resume and say that they've done it. Yeah. And it's hard to break in and do that for anybody, but it's especially hard, I think, for women in this field. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, the, uh, the, the sort of um, byproduct of that was that I was really comfortable and felt really protected doing some really like scary, uncomfortable material. Mm -hmm. And um, that was 
that was such a blessing and I yeah, felt absolutely. really lucky because of that. Yeah, we uh, we, we, we had a, a writer director on in our first season named uh, Josh Otter. Um, and one of the things he talked about was whenever he was working on sets, whether as like a PA or a grip or whatever, he always made sure to ask <laughs> other uh, people below the line people what they really wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. So he would go to a PA and be like, what's your dream? Mm -hmm. And that's how he found like the person that cast all his shorts yeah. was from just asking what people yeah. wanted to do. And yeah. he found like, I think he's like first AD that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you build your your group yeah. out of that. And so it's important to like, give find find opportunities to give those people a chance to put it on the resume and say I did it and yeah. and and give them a, that opportunity yeah. that is really cool. I think it is important and I think you see it in some crews where um you can tell that crew heads are really looking out for the people that are um working more menial jobs and are trying to like put them in a position where they're set up for success in that uh in that avenue in the future mm -hmm. and that's really I mean, encouraging, I think, to, to witness. But I think it's really cool, though, that you took a weekend out mm -hmm. of your time to go and work on this passion project. And you said, like, the uh, material was a bit more uncomfortable, not you, not normally the type of work that you do. Mm -hmm. Is How important is it for you as an actor to do work that is challenging to make sure that you're not, you know... Um, working on similar projects. I think I think it's just on a case-by-case -case basis. I think you do a lot of comedy and then you want to do some drama and you do a lot of drama and then you want to do some comedy. Mm. For me, I feel like that I'm a, I'm aware that there is a certain amount of um, weight that comes from my uh, resume and my work on Fargo and how well Fargo turned out. And any time that I can um, use that... Uh, credibility to prop up someone else's work, especially women, especially people of color. That's something that I'm interested in doing. Mm -hmm. So I will, um, you know, I think you, you do smaller projects than you would normally do. You take less money than you would normally take. You take smaller roles than you would normally take because you are like, if I, if, if any amount of like whatever notoriety or fame that I have from my past work can help um, promote this project, then I want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So uh, during the times when you're not, you know, you're not, you're not working, you're waiting for something to, to happen. What, what do you do in your, your, your downtime? Not enough. I mean, I, I really, um, I've been saying, I've known since I moved out here that I needed to start, that I need to get back into writing. I mean, I'm a sketch mm -hmm. writer. I don't know how to write a television show, mm -hmm. but I need to learn. Um, there's not a lot of demand for sketch writing in my current, iteration of my life right um so i but i've been saying since i moved out here that i that i knew that my eventual um path would be generating my own material and i've known now for the past couple of years that i'm that i am really not making the most of my free time mm -hmm. but i think because i wrote in a group setting for so long mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm having a hard time sort of wrapping my head around the way that my screenwriter friends work the way that mm -hmm. they just sit down and write for seven so, hours by themselves. Like, I just yeah. don't, I don't, it, I, I need to find some, um, avenue that feels comfortable and feels like fun and feels like, um, supportive. So yeah, I yeah. need, I need, I need a, I need to find a writing partner so, or a writer. Or I, or I, I've written so, several things with Michael mm -hmm. and, uh, another friend of mine also named Mike. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, only love, I only write with Mike. I, yeah. I keep it. It makes it a lot easier. Um, but one of the things I love, especially with both of them is I tend to, I'm the same way. I have a hard time writing by myself alone and just like so a lot of times i'll plan either some time with michael or, or mike and i'll be like i just want to sit down and just discuss creativity mm -hmm. and just uh, we each bring up a project we're talking about and help each other not that we want to write on it but we just go back and forth and kind of help each other kind of find whatever it is right. looking for that and i for me that excites me more to go mm -hmm. and like start writing yeah. is because I've had this like almost like my engine revved by this collaborative yeah. conversation. And that's something. And I, I love collaborating. I think I love writing with other people. Yeah. I think I just work. Not that I need it, but I just I feel for me, I love having that back and forth with somebody. Yeah. And that's always it also helps me. for me in terms of accountability. <laughs> yeah. Um, like if I have someone that's waiting for me to write pages yeah. or just to check in on something that gives mm -hmm. me a reason to okay, need to make the time yeah. to sit down and work. Or sometimes by writing in a group setting and what you're talking about, that that helps me even more so mm -hmm. because it's hard to find the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, especially as an actor, you can feel so busy that like, mm -hmm. oh, we're all getting together during this time. 
to work on something. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's helpful. I think, and I, and accountability is a huge part of it. And I mean, every, every sketch I ever wrote for my podcast in, in Chicago, I mean, I was down to the fucking wire deadline the night before we were due to get all together again. And I I was, I was like kicking things and being like, I'm going to write a sketch tonight. And then I would come out of my room two hours later and be like, I just wrote the best sketch of my life. You know, everybody else is asleep and you're waking them up. It's a fucking labor, man. I I don't, I, it's a labor for me Mm -hmm. every time I do it. Um, I feel that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, no, absolutely. I, and I think it is for, I don't think that, I don't know that there are people, I think it's a labor for all writers, but they just, you get more disciplined about it mm. and you get more um, regular about it. I mean, the people that I know that are successful screenwriters, that this is like what they're doing, you sit down and write and sometimes it's shit and you throw out an entire day's worth of work, but you do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just, have, I have not found uh, the discipline for that yet. Right. And I haven't found, um, yeah, like a a, a a reason to to do that. A call yeah. to action. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, like, I, and I'm I've always been like, well, what am I going to write about? Like, what do I? What do I? What I don't have any idea that I feel like is like interesting enough that I'm like, oh, I want to write this. Right. Right. But I've also never generated ideas that way. I've right. always generated ideas in a group where we're like, okay, the theme of this month's show is X Y Z. Everyone's going to write two sketches, and that is that. I mean, I just need a. I guess mm. I need a thesis to get started, maybe. But uh, shifting more into yeah. like the personal hustle of things, how has being in this industry since Fargo, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, ha- has it affected you at all? Uh, jaded you about the industry? Um, um, I don't feel like I've been jaded. I feel like I, I still try to, you know, like I was saying earlier, I, tr- I, I wish I remembered exactly what that felt like when I booked Fargo or when I was waiting here about Fargo. I try, consciously try to... Um, keep that sense of wonder about what I do for mm-hmm. a living now. Um, mm-hmm. And it it's not as easy because it is my everyday life now in a, in a way that it wasn't just six years ago, um, five years ago, Jesus. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of um, keep that fresh, mm-hmm. but I, I, I work at it because yes. um, it's important to me that I never um, take for granted how lucky I am that this is what I do for a living now. Mm-hmm. To kind of start kind of wrapping this up, we are turning to uh, celebrate small wins. <laughs> and we want to vocally and, and, and even, you know, applaud any small wins that you've had mm-hmm. this last week that maybe towards a bigger win or anything that you feel you accomplished this week that was a big deal for you. Deal and we want to we want to celebrate it. I think the thing I'm most proud of this week is that I feel I'm waiting to hear about this pilot mm-hmm. and I feel really ready yeah. to, for whatever happens. That's good. And I didn't feel that way with past pilots. Um, I felt like I was up in knots about things. Right. Um, so I'm feeling pretty pleased that I, I don't think I'm going to go. Kind of I'm not going to go to bits if the show doesn't go. Right. Um, I guess I could be wrong. We'll see what happens Yay. by the end of this week. That's awesome. But that's, that feels like a win. That feels like a, it feels like an evolution and it feels like some growth to me that I, I feel like. Yeah. I'm, there's not this energy like, oh, it needs to succeed or yeah. uh, what if it doesn't? Or yeah. Like yeah. That. And I, and, and again, I haven't been doing this for very long. This is only my third time I've done this whole pilot thing. And mm. so, um, but that feels like a healthy step that I'm not just like, it's going to happen. It's got to go. It's got to go. Hey, for personal growth. Yay. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, what was Donald Faison like to work with? He's awesome. Is he, he seems like we're just a great person. He's such a great person and, and, and like such a funny dude and a, such a, also just tremendous actor and like getting to do this when this is not a comedic role. I always, you know, I've been saying about this show, I hope it goes, everybody gets to see it, but I've been saying, you know, our writers are very funny and the actors are very funny. It's not a funny show, but it's just funny by like distill. It's by just distilled, kind of yeah. you know, yeah. like because the characters are funny because our writers are funny and right. it's a bunch of funny actors and um, very much not a com- comedic show, but it's got some, it's got some <laughs> lightness to it because of oh. who's in it. Um, I asked you before we started to hmm. give me six numbers. Yes. Um, so you nervous you had no they, clue what they, what they mean or, or what they are. So after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a wonderful place that people went to spend their time called MySpace. Uh And you would have a top six and top eight best friends list that Uh people would get pissed if they weren't on. I thought you were going to be like, we found your MySpace We found your MySpace. I was going to be like, how did you find it? I found 167 (laughs) embarrassing (laughs) pictures of you. Where did you find 167 of? Um, But one of the things that people did on MySpace was take quizzes. Mm -hmm. And they would post these quizzes. And there were no answers like there are on BuzzFeed. It was just so people could know 
mundane information about right. you. I and I found one of these quizzes that has oh. 167 questions. Holy shit, now, that's a lot. It, obviously, it took some research. Yes, you, it you took talked, a while. You pitched a podcast where all you did was give this quiz to every person <laughs> in its entirety. And that's actually what we've been asking you this entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every, it's weird how... Talk about format. It's weird how specific Someone it is. Wrote this 165 the is the Allison Allison Tolman MySpace quiz. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody made an Allison Tolman 167. In, yeah, on MySpace. <laughs> on MySpace. Um, but uh, one of the best things, so I'm going to ask you the questions that you kind of gave numbers to. There's okay. six questions. The best part about this game is no explanation is needed. Okay. So the answer is the answer, oh. and we move forward. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I'm going to over explain. Now, if there needs to be. <laughs> I'm going to qualify the fuck there, out of my answer. If there answers. needs to be like a, if there is like, you got to hear the story, we can, that is totally fine. Okay. But usually it's just, this is the answer. Here's right. what it is. I'll see what I can do. Allison Tolman. Yes. Are you ready for your MySpace quiz? I fucking hope so. I don't know, man. <laughs> and if, if there's anything that's too personal or anything, please let me know. Okay. Um, have you ever kissed someone and regretted it? Sure. Yeah, who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What is your relationship status? Uh I'm 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 part partnered. I don't know. Sometimes forgets about the partner. The other day, the other, yeah, I, I forget. She doesn't remember if she's I partnered forget, or not. Tim. Until no, she goes we back were home. we were at the dentist the other day, the two of us, and mm. on the sheet it was like what is your status? Are, are you married, single? Married, yeah. single, divorced, widowed or whatever. And mm. I was like the fuck and he already filled out his paperwork so i peeked at his and he put single and i was like yeah i guess because we're not married right yeah but it feels like that was a little archaic it feels like there should be another option now yeah well i mean there is common law marriage but they don't have it specifically there should be something between single and marriage like in a relationship yeah, yeah. or yeah. like or like Commi- we're in a domestic we're in a committed life, a committed, life commitment we're in committed yeah. i'm That's committed sounds, to someone see anything else to me just sounds like you're in a cult like yeah. Yeah, like life commitment well, but isn't welcome that really to my what cult. relationships are <laughs> yes they are they are a cult a major yeah. cult uh your next question mm-hmm. and if if in a moment where you forget that you have <laughs> you're in a relationship yeah. is there any other exes that you would take back you don't have to name them just that's the question is there any exes you would take back yeah, not most of them, but I, I have a couple exes that even that I keep up with that I'm like, oh, that's still a good man. Yeah, that's a good guy. That's a good guy. That's nice. That's not nice. a lot. Of them. <laughs> no, no, no. There's like one or two. And I'm friends with some of my exes, too, because, you know, your theater is right. the theater world is very. I think I'm yeah. friends with most of my exes. Michael, yeah. are you friends with pretty yeah, much most of your exes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Look, we're all good people. Oh, my yes. God. We're, we're, so be- we're like the best people, aren't we, guys? <laughs> uh, do you like the snow? I love the snow. Same. Mm-hmm. I can say that as a Texan too who didn't grow up in the snow. Like oh, it like, was all ice. Tim, Tim's like, "Fuck <laughs> this cold weather," but I, I still love it. Wait, do you miss it here, being in yeah. in, in California? I do, yeah. Constant state of spring. Yeah. Did you ever fail your driver's license test? I failed my written test when I moved here. Oh, I mean, did you get to take it again? Like you, mm-hmm. they're like, you can take it three times in a row or mm-hmm. whatever. But I, you know, boop 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 on the computer, and it was like you missed a question, and I was like. Oh, dang it. But then I took it again immediately and, and nailed it. it. My boyfriend was like, why'd you take so long? And I was like, this is for the first time. <laughs> and mm. Allison, the final question mm. of your MySpace quiz. So excited. Have you ever broken something expensive? Um, I don't tell the truth. All I can think about is Fabergé eggs and like antique vases you know like old old grandfather you ever gone to a museum and just wrecked something (laughs) (laughs) like when you broke up with someone you never grabbed their antique victorian vase and threw it on the ground I don't think I mean probably but I don't remember nothing that you specifically remember nothing that I specifically remember because we're the best people here we are yes the winners Allison Tolman thank you so much for being on the show it was an immense pleasure to talk to you where can people find you if they want to follow your career if they want to pitch you a script if you want to follow my career or if you want to follow my career or or honestly my cat um, oh yeah definitely follow find the cat. me on instagram it's allison underscore tolman two l's and allison one l in tolman um, i always have to keep t- checking when yeah. i when i was typing the name yeah. I, I, I know it right. catches everybody um and twitter is the same allison underscore tolman but i'm i'm more active on instagram these days because of my cat he's yeah. so cute and, and there's def- <laughs> and I will vouch. There's definitely a lot of cat pictures. Yeah, there's a lot of cat pictures. Yeah. he's more photogenic than I am. Guys, so. once again, Michael, thank you again for letting us into your beautiful apartment. <laughs> thank you for this amazing conversation. I say thank you again, like I said thank you before, but I didn't. But thank you again. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> thank, thank you, you Daniel. again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Conan, Conan thank you for uh, big, all of your big shout out to Conan. Once again, big shout out to Jared and Jessamine, Jessamine Berger and, and Dallas for making this happen. And uh, Second Thought Theater in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them. And Stomp. 
Stomping Ground. Stomping Ground. Definitely and check that out. And also your podcast again? My podcast from Chicago was called The City Life Supplement. Mm. Very proud of it. Highly recommend it. And look out, hopefully, for Emergence. Yeah, hopefully everybody cross fall. your fingers this week. Yeah. Oh, you find out? Do you find out this we'll week? We'll find out this week. Oh. Yeah. Can you, make sure you let us know so we can update right. everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let, let I'll record know. a sound by that's like, yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. this is a, this or it's a, the, no, motherfuckers. Uh, you just, didn't clap hard enough. <laughs> it's just a boomerang of you, like, just shaking violently. It's like, hook, yeah, we need yeah. to clap. Didn't clap hard enough. She's yeah. just going to send me the gif of Jonah Hill, like, just, like, freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> well, Thank you guys for listening. Now, we always end our show with the uh, tackling Keep Up the Hustle. Allison, would you like to say it with us? Sure. All right, guys. You know we love you. You know we believe in you. No matter what your path is to L.A., we believe that you can make it happen. Keep up the hard work. Keep up the 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 passion and the drive to do it. And always remember to keep, keep up, up the, the hustle. hustle. <laughs> Hey folks, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Allison. What a great story to tell. What are your big takeaways? What stood out to you? Please send us your thoughts and questions. If you're tuning in on Anchor and you can use their app or their compu- uh, your computer to send us a voice message, we would love to include it in next week's episode. Of course, written messages are gladly accepted as well to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com. As always, you can reach out to us on social media. On Instagram, we're Hollywood Hustle Podcast. And on Twitter, we're LA Hustlecast. We even have a new icon on our social medias. Check it out. Thanks to Michael Lutheran. Give Michael a little shout out on how good that logo is. You can also follow us personally on all the platforms. Michael is Michael Lutheran. Linux is Linux Night Official, and I am Daniel Tuttle, T-U-T-T-E-L, on all platforms. You can follow Allison at Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, underscore Tolman, T-O-L-M-A-N, on Twitter and Instagram. And don't miss the premiere of Emergence on ABC next Tuesday, September 24th. It looks amazing. This episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our executive producer and host. Michael Lutheran is our podcast editor and co-host of this episode. And Linux Knight is our head of social media marketing. Until we speak again, keep listening, keep pushing, and always keep up the hustle. I have a I have a Meisner joke for you. Ooh. Oh, yeah. How many Meisner actors does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Actors? How many actors? I don't know. 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 I don't get it. No, Fucking Meisner. Yeah. Um, I do a Strasburg it, 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 joke. It's good. Yeah. <laughs>